Relational transitions are an inevitable part of seminary, and oftentimes a painful one. How do we say goodbye and say hello in seminary in ways that are healthy and God-honoring? That's what we'll be talking about today on Surviving Seminary. everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jason Stark, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Sutherland. Hello, guys. And um, we're, um, there's kind of a, a kind of a distance, I think, separating us a little bit. There's kind of something getting in between us, Kevin. What do you, what do you think? I'm talking about like our microphones and stuff and yes. our computer and equipment and all that. Yes. Like it's literally in between us. Yes. Uh, but I, I make that stupid joke as a way to kind of um, head toward what we're talking about today, and that is you got me there. Relationships, thank you, and um, how our relationships have to make transitions inevitably when we're in seminary. And I want to start by um, talking b- about a little bit of my recent past and recent past for my household because um, we it's it's that time of year, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's the summer and there are people moving out and um, soon to be people moving in. And on the moving out part, we have um, our friends, the Haas family. Do you know the Haases? Uh, my wife knows them a lot better than I know them. Okay. I mean, I know um, BJ and Michelle Haas and their kids probably largely through the fact that we um, are both with the Wesleyan Church. We both attend the same church mm-hmm. here, or at least we have attended the same church for several years now. Um, he's, uh, um, well, I'm a worship leader at the church and he does worship lead from time to time and has filled in in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of developed a rhythm where he'd do a Sunday and give me a Sunday off and it was very nice. And, you know, we also had similar interests and, um, similar personalities to a certain degree. And so we formed a little, you know, a little bit of a friendship. It wasn't, I can't say we were incredibly close friends and that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's okay. I mean, I think part of that was maybe, again, our personalities a little bit, where mm-hmm. we didn't necessarily develop that kind of um, really tight bond, mm-hmm. you know, but we worked together a lot on things. We we hung out from time to time. Um, obviously, there's church small group stuff, things like that. And they were here um, almost the um, same um, time length amount that we've been here. Mm. They got here a semester after we did. Mm-hmm. So we'd only been here a little bit longer than them. And so a lot of our journey we've experienced together. Yeah. And so the Haas family just, um, they just moved out a couple of days ago. And he is now going to be taking up a pastoral appointment in Virginia. So mm. we're very happy for them. Um, they've had a long journey and a lot of, um, a lot of healing from prior uh, stuff before seminary that they had to experience. Um, I just they had to experience the healing from mm-hmm. those experiences, mm-hmm. and they found it. They found it at seminary. They found it at the church, and um, so we're very thankful that they've moved on and transitioned to something that they found. Um, they found their way, and um, and that's great for them. Yeah. But in the meantime, we had to say goodbye, and uh, it was very teary eyed. Um, service that mm-hmm. that day uh, at church, and um, I helped them move and everything. And a lot of people from the church came and helped them move. And um, 
a lot of people that weren't from the church as well, just other friends. And um, they threw a big um, goodbye dinner that was actually here in this place where we're recording. We oh, actually, wow. uh, we record, if you don't know already, I don't think we've mentioned it. We record at the Student Center for um, the Wesleyan community. That's denominational Wesleyan mm-hmm. um, community here. And so they threw a party here and it was a big taco dinner and the place was packed. And um, and then actually the um, that Sunday, the day before they left, uh, they had another going away party that was thrown for them by a couple of our other friends. And we had the leftovers from the first party. <laughs> Um, plus a little bit more. It was not fully leftovers, mm-hmm. so no no worries, everybody. Um, and I found myself um, kind of realizing that I had I keep, I guess just in general and seeing it specifically here, that I keep relationships a little bit at arm's length. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe some of that is just about me generally that I need to work on. But I think um, another part of it is just that I knew that saying goodbye, like even though I wasn't thinking about it, I know that saying goodbye is tough. Yeah. And um, so I finally gave myself the freedom when we were heading home from that on Sunday night to just kind of go up to BJ and um, and and say goodbye for real, mm-hmm. and and tell him that I was going to miss him, and that uh, and that was probably the first time where I allowed myself to really get emotional. Mm-hmm internally about their leaving that wasn't kind of like the spill off from other people's sentimentality i mean it's right. it's easy sometimes to be emotional when other people are emotional right. you kind of experience it like sympathetically mm-hmm. um but that was the first time where i just kind of allowed myself to feel the fact that it was sad that that a friend of mine was was leaving and and he made the good point that the wesleyan church is a pretty um, pretty small place, and we'd probably be running into one another um, at some other point in the mm-hmm. in the future. But um, I, I know that's a long kind of intro. But I just wanted to start on this topic with my own experience because we're we're in the middle of it right now, and yeah. we've been through it also in the past several years. Yes. Why is that? We've been here for like six years now. So and I'm going on seven and a half. We're going to be here a little longer too yeah um so it's like it comes in cycles Mm -hmm. where you end up having to say goodbye to people that you've formed relationships with yeah do you have strong experiences when you've had to do that yourself uh yeah i mean the first time we actually left the first year uh because my father uh developed stage four liver cancer and ultimately passed on, but we wanted to go home and be close to him before that happened. Um, so we left after our first year, and that was probably the toughest because we broke with everybody because um, we were the ones that were leaving. But um, when you're in seminary and you're not done yet, um, that's the thing. You'll have lots and lots of people that you'll get close to that will leave every single year. So it can be a pretty emotional time Um in the end of summer. And then on the flip side, at the beginning of summer, you have a lot of new faces. Um, and so how do you balance that and how do you work with that has been a struggle that I've had. And I find myself losing more and more um, the ability and the drive to get in touch with new faces the longer I've been here. 
I feel like what you're talking about in that process that you're explaining and that struggle is um, stuff that I want to talk about kind of point by point. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you bringing it up kind of in its total picture. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about first, I mean, just this general idea of what we talked about of this kind of perpetual goodbye that Mm -hmm. goes on in seminary. Um, And, you know, I mean, obviously that's natural. And I say that like, this this goodbye in seminary, but it's not just seminary. I imagine this is the same experience that people have when they're young in like undergraduate degrees or in other contexts as well. Um, but you know, this is not unique to seminary, right? But um, the fact that you know you you're usually just a, a touch older when you get to seminary, it means you're you've developed as a person in different ways, and it's going to be a different kind of experience than in other phases, like naturally. Plus, it's shorter, so it happens a lot more frequently. You're typically, I mean, some MDivs are four-year, maybe five years, but uh, other, like a master's degree, could be two years, and so you might only see someone for a year or two. You know, President Tennant said that um, that the that the generational length uh, is three years, mm. so I don't want to... But then there's cases like us where we're going to be here like ten years. So. <laughs> right. I don't want to. I don't want to refute the man, but I will totally do so by my experience. I guess. Right. So, um, like we said, I mean, you start seminary by meeting a million new people. I think yeah. you know when you begin, it's way more than you really have um, the capacity to get to know all of them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you meet all these people, and you you just keep meeting and meeting and meeting, and you form relationships and you form partnerships and you share experiences with many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, there are always recurring faces, obviously, kind of going down a level from just meeting people generally. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of recurring faces. And then kind of down a level from that, there are the people that you strike up conversation and develop rapport with. And then below that, people that you actually make friends and have closer relationships with. Um, and that all happens over the course of your of your time at seminary mm-hmm. um, in some way or another. But eventually you say goodbye to those people as they move on. Because again, it's a natural thing. Um, we're not here to stay here. Right. Although a lot of people do end up staying in Wilmore after they're um, right. done with seminary. So mm-hmm. I, maybe that's a topic of another episode. Probably. Maybe we should talk to the Wilmorons podcast guys about that because they yes. handle stuff that's more like local conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they listen to the podcast, but... That's fine. Listen to us, guys. Please. We'll listen to you if you listen to us. I already do listen to them. Right. I listen to them occasionally, too. I need to listen a little bit more. I would also say that um, the goodbyes, when they come, because like we said, they kind of come in waves, really, mm-hmm. because let's say the the second year person who you got to know when you first came and maybe helped you out with certain things and help like showed you the ropes mm-hmm. and I've had those experiences and yeah. I'm very, very glad for them. I've had them afresh now that I've started PhD. Um, but you know, eventually they're going to leave and theoretically anyway, um, before you do. And so it's kind of like a first wave of people that, you know, closely that leave and then successive waves. Um, but that can be made more difficult, I think, because, you know, these friendships that form, they form during like a very challenging and formative time in your life. Yeah. You're going through a lot of challenges of coursework and growing as a scholar, all of these different um, challenges that you're faced and you're going through 
those together um, with those relation with those friends. Uh, yeah, and I think that's some of what's the difference between undergrad and seminary as well, because seminary is a ton harder, and you tend to bond more closely with people that have helped you out in really tough times. And there's also the likelihood, obviously, there are plenty of people who um, enter seminary single and leave seminary single, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But um, also just to say that for those who their relationships develop and increase in complexity, for example, if you marry mm-hmm. uh, while you're in seminary, if you have a family while you're in seminary, mm-hmm. um, then a lot of people who are in similar life stages, and I guess that just qualifies for anybody any two people who are in a similar life stage, mm-hmm. family or single, or or um, that you're going to go through similar things uh, because of the stage that you're in commonly between one another. Right. And then um, when we talk about you know saying hello, which is kind of the other side of the coin here, then then I, I supplement this next thought with the idea of you know a perpetual hello as well. But just to say that those initial connections that you made. Um, the presence of those relationships, I mean, like up close and, and personal with one another, obviously when people leave and you say goodbye to people, you can still keep up with them probably more easily than ever these days because of social media and email in Mm -hmm. spite of, in spite of how difficult it might be sometimes to actually do that. It is easier than ever, like theoretically to actually do it, but, um, the face to face connections, they do um, slowly decrease in presence over time, at least as far as those people who you first met and maybe formed some of your closest friendships with. And that's not to say that you can't form close friendships with people who you didn't meet initially. So, uh, and again, that'll get into the next part of this that we're talking about. But there is something special about the very formative time when you first come and the people who you meet um, along the way. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talk about that, and that, that actually kind of dovetails in with our next podcast about technology. But I definitely think there's, even though it appears that you're connected to people on social media, there is not an actual, the same kind of connection. Like, I don't, you know, plan to go out on a dinner uh, date with this other family that we were friends with because they have now moved, you know, five states away. It's not exactly the same kind of a relationship when you're just seeing what they've curated about their life and put on there for everybody to see. So it's definitely, even though you can still keep in touch, there is a very real separation in that. I could not agree more. I think that the the separation that you talk about of basically presenting your very best self, um, it really does, I think, throw a wrench into the idea of social media being this effective connector of peoples. I mean, mm-hmm. it connects people because of all the ways that we know that social media does connect people of helping to let people know how you're doing or what you're, or what you're up to, Mm -hmm. but it's just not a replacement for a relationship that is, um, that is personal and, and present. Yeah. And I think, I mean, part of what makes a relationship is that you're going through the tough times and typically you're not going to share that on social media with everybody there. You might do it via email, maybe, or messenger. But if you're going through a difficult time, it feels, you know, the the grittier the relationship gets, the more real the relationship is, you know. If you are, like, posting a status update about yourself, 
then you're posting it out to everyone. Right. And there's this sense, at least for me anyway, and I know for others, that if I if I'm letting everything that I've got and like pouring my soul out to um my entire friends group or something, mm-hmm. however close I am or distant from them I am, it's just well, it's it's the same thing out to everybody. And the 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 closest things and the hardest things for us to deal with are the things that typically I would say um we're not always comfortable just broadcasting out to everybody. Right. And they're the things that are more suitable to a singular relationship that's that's close. Yeah. So there's just stuff that obviously social media can't can't do for you. Mm-hmm. So concerning the hello, like the we talked about a perpetual goodbye, like a cycle of goodbyes, but um the other side is a cycle of hellos, because in the same way that um you came in in your first year and had um your initial experiences, there are other people coming to seminary for their first year, year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And um, they're going through the same things that you've gone through, and um, they're going to be meeting a million people themselves and starting their own cycle of relationships. And so um, I think it's natural that over the course of time, some of those um, people who are coming in first, they can naturally become... Um, they could naturally develop similar relationships to um, ones that you've had with people who have already gone, mm-hmm. and so there's something um, there's something good and healthy about that. And um, I think the real uh, question is is you know is this is this a sustainable thing, Kevin? As you kind of hinted at, it's um, I'll say now that the goodbyes take a lot of emotional energy mm-hmm. to know. Um, that your friends are are going to be departing at some point and moving on to their next phase of life, and you won't really have that relationship in the same way anymore. It takes emotional energy, and it also takes emotional energy to reinvest right um, into new people mm-hmm. who are coming um, into seminary um, subsequent. Yeah, and so um, I think the real question with the with the hello cycle is to how to do it well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the question with the goodbye cycle as well, but how do you do it well, and how do you maintain that emotional energy? How do you do that in a way that's healthy for you? Um, and how do you do it as well in a way that honors the fact that we are supposed to live in community? Yeah. As the body of Christ, we're we're not supposed to be shut off from one another. We're not supposed to be totally individualistic and shutting off from relationships, we have to um, live in community. And so mm-hmm. what's the way, the best way for us to say goodbye, and what's the best way for us to say hello in ways that, that honor that, um, that call from God mm-hmm. um, to, to live in community, to live into community, and to invest in the community? Yeah. I think definitely, you know, one of the things that our community formation office here instilled in me fairly early on was the need to kind of lean in, as they say, to relationships and keep putting yourself out there, which, you know, that is, that's hard, especially if you're an introvert like me. Um, So I don't know if we're getting into how-tos on this, but one thing I was thinking about is we used to help um, move people in. Uh, when they would come into our seminary housing. Um, 
helping move in. They they haven't done a whole lot of that that I'm aware of, but I've kind of been off of Facebook, so I may not be in the loop. But uh, another thing is, that I did uh, was uh, trying to be one of the leaders in a, the new student orientation, and that way I'm kind of getting in touch with people and maybe being that helpful older brother that maybe helps them get to where they need to go and or figure out the ropes of this thing called seminary. Right. It's nice to know that, um, and I'll say that I haven't seen as much about, I see individual um, posts about uh, such and such family is moving in on this date and Mm -hmm. they need moving in help. And so I used to see more like, Hey, sign up for the list to mm-hmm. to be on the list to help out, um, and you'd get like more specific communications about that. It seems yeah. to have kind of decentralized a little bit, mm-hmm. unless I'm just missing something. But it's good anyway that there are intentional opportunities that the seminary makes um, to, and that's out of the department, our department of community formation, mm-hmm. that um, allow people to by doing. Um, and by committing to something, even if it's just a small thing like helping somebody move in, yeah. I suppose that can be a pretty big thing, depending on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but you helped us move in the very first time, and the, I knew from that moment I was like, I'm gonna get to know this guy because he seemed like the temperament that I could get along with, and we both worked at the same place um, that we had both worked at before we moved to seminary, and all of that. So I. I don't know. It was crazy. I'll say now that I don't really remember. <laughs> Man, it was a life-changing moment for me, and it was nothing for you. What? <laughs> I'll say that, you know, um, I don't... Here's the here's the here's where the rubber hits the road, because I don't practice a lot of what we're talking about right. very well. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of um, podcasting to myself on this. But um, I'll say that I don't form relationships very easily. Um I don't, and I don't form deep friendships very easily. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like seminary has allowed for times when I've met people that have become very close friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean that by both common interests and, and common passions, and also through the experiences that we've talked about and shared um, mm-hmm. challenges and, and really hard moments in life that we've gone through together. Yeah. So I can't say that I have a lot of best friends. I know that before right. you were recording, you are talking about your best friend back in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, I feel as though, um, I feel as though even if, um, you're, even if I'm not your best friend and you've got your best friend back in Oklahoma, Kevin, you're my best friend. Well, you're my best friend here in Kentucky. So, well, thanks. And I, we intend to Stay as connected with the Stark family as possible. And us with the Sutherlands. And I didn't want to, don't get, uh, don't get me wrong, Kevin. I didn't mean to give the impression that you had offended me by saying that I wasn't your best friend. So, um, but anyway, uh, so we wanted to talk about, now that we've talked about, I guess, kind of the situation and maybe hinted at some of the ways in which we can help this out. Maybe you can just help it out, listener, because you're just awesome at this. You right. know, maybe you're like a boss at relationships and you're really good at reinvesting your emotional energy. Um, um, it definitely seems probably if you're more towards the extroverted side, uh, I mean, where everyone's got both introversion and extroversion tendencies, but if you've got more extroversion, you're probably a little bit better at this than we are. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm rather introverted. Mm. You are too, Kevin, right? Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and plus, you know, I would say that Val would say that she's become a little bit more introverted over the years. And so that's made it, uh, it's posed all the more of a challenge, I think, as far as this goes, because she experiences the same thing that I've experienced. She's probably experienced it more, um, more pointedly because, um, she's developed plenty of deep friendships that are again about common life stage. I mean, she, um, stays home with our kids. Um, Chanda, your wife, Kevin, Mm -hmm. um, for a long time anyway, she's, she's working now, but she, for a long time stayed home Mm -hmm. with, with your kids. And so there was so much, um, common experience that they shared and they formed a really deep relationship and other relationships that Val has formed too, where they've had to, they've had to leave. And, um, and that's been hard on her. Yeah. Chanda's a little bit more introverted these days, but she's still way more extroverted than I am. And so she'll be talking about people, and these are people that I'm supposed to be in class with or whatnot. And she's like, oh, yeah, this so," And I'm like, I don't even know them. She's also got the uh, the HR angle, though, doesn't yes. she? So she knows pretty much everyone that works for the seminary as well, student workers and regular staff and faculty and whatnot. And I wonder a little bit as to whether or not the increase in introversion has to do with this cycle. Mm-hmm. Because again, it, it gets harder, I think. Yeah. We're um, in a place right now where where we live, um, the seminary's family housing, which is Callis Village, a bunch of townhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at a place right now where there are only a few people left who have... Um, who have been around just as long as we have, if not a little bit longer. Right. There's only like four or five, six families maybe at the most. Yeah. And we say this as like, as if like, you know, last one to leave, turn the lights out when you go. (laughs) It's not like that. There are people all over. Yeah. It's just that we don't know a a great deal of them. Yeah. And it's hard to drum up the emotional energy to start that cycle again when Mm -hmm. you know that the cycle is going to, um, is going to happen Again, yeah, we so, we uh, you helped me uh, get a couch, and uh, we went in and picked up the couch because this family was leaving, and I realized I don't know them at all, and so they've apparently done their entire seminary career, and I don't know them. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, because we used to know everybody in mm-hmm. Calais, mm-hmm. and just times have changed for us. That is, yeah. And so, anyway, that was a, I guess, kind of a digression from us right. trying to. Um, think of good applications for this, but how do we handle like saying goodbye and handle saying hello in a way that's healthy in a way that's God honoring. So that's what we want to talk about. Um, the first one I can think of is really to, I guess, understand yourself, seek to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you understand what your personality is like, um, if you understand whether you're more, you know, cliche to whether you're more introverted or extroverted or however, personality test you want to go about this. The point is, I think, understanding yourself. Because when you do, then really you'll know how much emotional energy you have to invest yeah. as a general rule. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think it's good to take on anybody else's expectations about what you need to do, like I guess the amount of what you need to do as far as that investment goes. Obviously, I did say uh, before that we're called to live in community, that that is um, a thing about our Christian faith. So, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not arguing about that, but it does um, still stand that we are all different 
And so to try to fit into somebody else's mold and say that you have to make this many, um, whoever says I need uh, this many relationships and close friends, I, I don't really know anybody who does that. But anyway, to try to be like somebody else in the way that they're uh, forming relationships, mm-hmm. um, all of that, you know, I'd say put that out the window and try to understand what your what your strengths are and what your limitations are, because right. that can help you determine um, to a certain extent whether or not investing in a particular relationship is going to be healthy or whether or not it's going to overextend you, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think you have to really think about the length of time as well that you're intending to be here, um, because that will, you know, as we've said, you're gonna the longer you're here, the the harder it's gonna be to maintain friendships and whatnot. So really figuring out, you know, if if the average time here at seminary is three years and I'm going to be here five years, then we, you probably would want to start, keep investing for at least a few years to have at least a good amount of people that you can be friends with, socialize with, that can be there for you in tough times and whatnot. And as you're saying that, it, it's another moment where I say, hmm, well, I haven't really been doing that very well. <laughs> well, me neither, but... No, I knew that when I came here, I knew that my goal was not just to go through master's level education. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go forward into a PhD and eventually be able to um, to teach by means of that mm-hmm. um, degree and those credentials. So I knew I was going to theoretically be here. Um, that was assuming that we were going to stay here through right. both of those degrees, right. although we felt pretty comfortable about that just based on our our the age of our kids and our life stage it just didn't make sense to uproot and start somewhere else right anyway that's um that's beside the point we've been here and will be here for several more years and i have not been by any means strategic not that you have to be completely strategic about forming friendships with people mm-hmm. but like you said take stock of your situation not just stock of who you are personally mm-hmm. um and your kind of emotional makeup but think about those external circumstances of your time frame. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, just to swing back around on what Kevin said about taking intentional opportunities, and it's amazing that, you know, you can take an intentional opportunity that is not something you define as making forming a relationship right. with a person. Step one, form relationship with best friend for life. It's kind of like in, um, it's kind of like in Proverbs where it says, like, the key to wisdom is this, get wisdom. Yeah. You remember that one? Yes. I always got a kick out of that one, but then again, I'm probably horribly um, misinterpreting or reading it out of context. But um, anyway, it's not to say that your first step is to form a fully-fledged relationship. Obviously, that's very unrealistic, and um, and it can start with a very simple thing of helping somebody move into their house, right? Mm-hmm. Case in point to all the stuff we've been talking about uh, previously. Or it can be about um, making a meal for someone who's just moved in, and these are these are doors, these yeah. are windows through which you can enter into something that is potentially deeper relationally. You just have to take the the step through mm-hmm. to use the to use the expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean there have been many times where we've done those things and no relationship really formed. Uh, they're still, you know, we know them now and they're an acquaintance, but they're not a deep friend or whatnot. 
but some of those will will take or maybe going you know to a community event if your seminary or school is having some kind of a school-wide event or a certain age group or a certain life stage then maybe taking those up might help you to enrich your relational stance so i'd say all of those things are um I guess they're maybe like kind of before the fact applications, Mm -hmm. things that you should either do like pre-understanding or intentional like first steps, like for forming relationships. So that's almost kind of like about the hello cycle almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there are also things about the goodbye cycle that are important to do. Like I think, again, in terms of understanding yourself, I think another thing about this, which applies to the goodbye cycle is about allowing yourself um, allowing yourself to feel. Mm-hmm. And um, part of that is allowing yourself to enter deeply into relationships with people when you form them. And obviously that's kind of a, that can be a touchy thing where you have to make your choices about who you enter into closer relationship with mm-hmm. um, based on a lot of different stuff. So I'm not saying that that's an, an everybody sort of thing, but understand and give yourself the permission to feel sad about the fact that a close relationship is going to be changing um, drastically because somebody's moving away. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to allow yourself to, um, to kind of mourn for that, Mm -hmm. um, that friendship in the way that it's formed up. uh, Because, because if you don't, I think it's like, I think that's the sort of thing that leads to the ever shrinking circle that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is. I, I mean, when you don't, when I don't allow myself to um, emotionally experience somebody's departing, mm-hmm. and I hold that in, it's like I don't, it's like I don't cleanse that that negativity out of me. Right. If it just stays there, then I have that much less motivation to to reinvest into somebody else. Right. Yeah. Totally. And you kind of need that catharsis of letting go and letting the relationship change. And I mean, you can still be connected. Uh, You can still, you know, maybe visit them if you're on a vacation or whatnot and going through the area. But, you know, allowing yourself to grieve is going to be key to moving forward. I would say that um, allowing yourself, just that general idea of allowing yourself, giving giving yourself permission of, of various things you also have to allow yourself to take risks and um you know maybe maybe part of our ever shrinking circle for us anyway does have to do with the fact that our families are growing and our responsibilities are increasing for our families and for our households and so yeah there's a there is a healthy sense in which um it's not it's it's probably not as healthy to be quite as expansive as in the past because our kids are growing up they're doing more activities, all of those, all of those factors. But um, just to be able to to get back to this, to give to be able to give yourself the permission to to take new risks and and um, seek out these new relationships. And if um, and I say risk because maybe no relationship will form, and so there's so you don't necessarily fill that void where that other relationship was. Mm -hmm. I suppose that's a risk, but you should still take that risk 
emotionally right. because you know you don't know what could happen mm-hmm. um and also the risk that what was the other risk it's like i had two in my mind well the other risk would be the fact that you're going to eventually and it's not so much a risk but a reality that you're about to experience another goodbye at some point because there's the odds that they're going to end up moving to the same area that you are is pretty low yeah yeah that's one too i was thinking like i think there's another one Ah, maybe i'll think of it later but um but so anyway allow yourself to to step out and experience those new um those new relationships as hard as that might be um and i just cannot quit trying to think of what that other thing was i'm going to say i'm just going to forget about it now well since i can't really think of that um I, and i think we're probably getting to a place where uh we're ready to close up for the episode but um i appreciate uh kevin i appreciate the time that you've allowed me to kind of spill all my guts on this because i have this as an like this episode is born out of experience right it's also born out of it being val's idea so um audience you can give some props to my wife for um inspiration for the episode and hopefully she'll keep feeding me ideas because it's really hard to keep up uh the ideas for episodes at least for me um but anyway thanks for um allowing me to kind of externally process a lot of that stuff as i'm experiencing um some of that same goodbye stuff that we've been talking about all this time so this could be a future application for you in your seminary career you could start a podcast like us and talk about when your friends leave yeah just externally process it out to anyone who will listen right um on wherever you'd get your podcasts actually yes that's where you can find us yes you can find us uh wherever you get your podcasts and we really do hope that you would subscribe um i know that not everybody subscribes to podcasts some people just kind of look for episodes um as they as they desire and some people do either one based on what podcast it is but um subscribing helps us out it helps us to potentially grow an audience um we also hope that you would if you're on facebook we've been saying this for weeks but i realize that you know maybe there are listeners who aren't on facebook maybe that means we need to look for other ways to reach out to people of course Uh, but if you are on facebook we would appreciate it if you would um Go to our Facebook page, Surviving Seminary Podcast. We also have a Twitter handle, which uh, we don't really, uh, we haven't really done much with yet, but that's just kind of growing and starting. So that's um, at Serve Sem Podcast. That is S U R V S E M Podcast. We'd also appreciate your feedback about uh, anything we say here. If you'd like to add something uh, and it resonates with us, we will be happy to share that on a, a future episode. Next time on Surviving Seminary. Not to mention the fact that sometimes there are textual difficulties, mm-hmm. um, and that gets into like higher study kind of stuff and more in-depth study, but like sometimes there are textual difficulties that if you're looking at it in Hebrew or Greek, uh, you can say, like, what is, what's going on here? And yet in an English translation, they've worked hard to kind of smooth that out yeah so they've already entered a level of interpretation even if they're trying to render it as literally as possible there's just no way to make it 100% accurate because Greek and English are not codes in themselves to where one thing equals exactly one only thing in the other language you can also um, reach us via the Facebook page either through a message or through our email uh, which you can find there 
And so um, with that, we want to thank you for listening today. And until next time, see you later. Bye.